Hi there, and welcome to a new season of The Works. I'm Ben Che. And I'm Ben Peltier. In this week's show, it's time to laugh, or at least it's time to look at the work of an artist who specializes in showing people laughing. He's Yumin Jun, who was recently in Hong Kong for an exhibition of his works. Are you a fan of sequins and style in the form of cha-cha, samba, salsa, or jive dance? Well, if you are, you certainly look forward to part two of our show, where we'll have the full cast of the dance spectacular burn the floor in our studio. First, though, this season, the Hong Kong Philharmonic Orchestra is introducing a new name, a new logo, and a new musical director, Jaap van Spaden. Jaap was born in Amsterdam, and in little more than a decade from first taking up the baton, he became one of the world's most in-demand conductors. At 19, he became the youngest principal violinist or concertmaster ever of the Royal Concertgebouw Orchestra. While he was there, Leonard Bernstein urged him to try conducting. He began his conducting career only in 1995, but last November, he received the Conductor of the Year Award 2012. Yap is joining the Hong Kong Philharmonic Orchestra on a four-year initial contract. We went to talk to him as he rehearsed for his first concert with the orchestra. Over the years that I came here for the first time, and then last year I came, um, the improvement was just dramatic, dramatically uh, in a positive way. And, <laughs> and um, you know, I was really um, triggered by so many young, um, devoted musicians and interesting plans. And knowing what is happening in this incredible country, I thought that um, that would be a very interesting, um, could be a very interesting journey for me. Your predecessor came in with a strong reputation as an orchestra builder. How would you characterize your approach to the music directorship here? I see this orchestra as a, as a diamond which you have to shape and, 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 and work on every day. Um, but I'm, I'm also a performer, I think. I believe strongly in, I would say, discipline on the rehearsals. But to get enormous amount of freedom during concerts, you need to be extremely, yeah, I would say, disciplined during the rehearsals. And because of that, you can start to perform and you can take risks and you can see where is the point that you are going to take too many risks. Where is the point that you are not taking risks at all? And I, I always try to, to tell the orchestra that the biggest risks uh, we could take is not to take a risk because an orchestra is, um, is an organism which is uh, alive, on stage, it's not a CD. You've mentioned you're a performer, and one of the interesting facets of your career is that for quite a body of time, 16 years or so, you were concertmaster at the Concertgebouw. That must have shaped your perspective and your approach to conducting. Yes, of course. I mean, I worked, uh, I did all the Mahler-Symphony with uh, Bernstein. I did all Bruckner symphonies with Jochen. Um, 
you know, I worked uh, when I was a boy of 19 years old. I worked with really the the, the then still living great conductors, and so um, I have I had quite a school to be honest. But it was never in my mind to start to conduct actually myself, till the moment that uh, Bernstein got me in front of the orchestra, actually, and uh, asked me to uh, conduct uh, Mahler's first symphony. We were in, uh, in Germany, in Berlin actually, and the, the hall was there remade, it was the concert house. And um, he asked me to, um, to conduct a little bit of the symphony number one of Mahler. And I said to him, Lenny, I never did that. And he said, yeah, well, I still want you to do it. I want to go into the hall and you just do it. And to say no to him was really dangerous. <laughs> so I, uh, I said, okay, I try. And then he came back and he said, well, that was pretty bad. But I saw something there and you should take it seriously. Then I forgot about it. And then after a few years, I got some invitations to do combined programs, playing a little bit, conducting little pieces. And then everything came back from that experience with him. violin at any point no, going forward? No, <laughs> absolutely not because um, I'm not that kind of character who will just do a little bit uh, something 25 <laughs> percent. It's not in my character, I cannot do that. As a music director with uh, limited time with an orchestra, say six to twelve weeks time yeah. in, in a season, yeah. how do you put your stamp and your personality and have, have a real impact with an ensemble? Well. Um, I think that um, the rehearsals and the concerts, they have to be really intense and till now they are and of course we have to start but my experience is with the other orchestras, uh, even with the, you know, the big five in, in America and with other orchestras that if you work really concentrated and there is a lot of things going on during the rehearsals, uh, inspire each other, that lasts. So that is actually, you know, the moment is, there is nothing else than now. There is nothing else than the moment. And we have to enjoy every moment that uh, I'm going to enjoy at least the orchestra. Every moment that I'm here, the city, my, my new public. Uh, so that is, a, you know, it, it is not about only about the amount of weeks. It is only also about the impact and how um, you are uh, getting into these weeks and really absorb it and, and give 110%. In terms of your programming decisions here in Hong Kong, yeah. um, is, there, is there any special direction or, or a passion for a certain composer or an area that you wish to explore with the orchestra here? Well, look, um, I, I think that the orchestra played quite some blockbusters the last years. And I think that we should uh, realize that that was very good for the orchestra. Uh, at the same time, uh, I think it's also very important to, um, to see what kind of new music is on the horizon. And not only that, also see what kind of young uh, composers uh, we could uh, attract to us, write for us music, 
and explore what kind of um, what kind of talent there is, especially in this fantastic huge country. So what we are doing is we uh, we are searching for that, and I think that of course in life um, balance is the key word for a lot of things. Um, and also in, in programming, I think the balance has to be that we are going to play blockbusters. I mean, it's very important to do Beethoven symphonies, Brahms, Mozart, and at the same time um, do something else as well. You're just beginning here in Hong Kong, your tenure as music director, um, so it's perhaps a bit premature to talk about the end, but excuse me um, if <laughs> okay. I do. Yeah. Um, years away, whenever that may be, yeah. how would you wish your time in Hong Kong to be remembered? Wow. I th yeah, it sounds like it's my last interview, actually. <laughs> I didn't mean it that no, way. No, 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 I know that, I know that. But, um, well, you know, to be... I tell you honestly, to be a very, to be a great conductor or whatever uh, people would say, uh, is not so difficult. To be a good father for your orchestra, that is something else. And I hope that um, when you reach that moment, uh, that they would say that I have um, some signs of a pretty good father in me. That's important. You've probably seen them all around Hong Kong, paintings of Chinese people laughing hysterically as they go about their work. Not all the ones you see are originals, some are copies done especially for tourists. But last month, the creator of these apparently happy images, Yumin Jun, visited Hong Kong for an exhibition of new works. His paintings and sculptures have been associated with the cynical realism art movement in contemporary Chinese art, and are, of course, deeply ironic. We went to talk to him. <laughs>笑笑非常笑嘛可能这个题目也是为了更强调笑的这个笑的在我自己理解的这种意义我画笑不是因为不是真正因为感受到快乐和嗨皮确实是因为感受到人生的这种痛苦所以是从一种痛苦的角度来
他为什么不看？为什么笑？我觉得会反观自己，想自己，然后是不是这样的一种状态？是不是曾经也有过这样的一种感觉？政治是我们人生，就是或者每一个人生活的必不可少的一个环境，它是我们。饭桌上的每一天饭桌上的菜或者是米饭，所以我觉得每一个人都逃脱不了这个，或者是政治或者等等这些东西的影响。Now a treat for dance lovers. Burn the Floor is now in its 14th year of touring the world. It has now thrilled millions of people in more than 30 countries, and this week it came to Hong Kong. It's an energetic Latin and ballroom dance spectacular that takes you on a journey through various dance forms, and we're delighted to have the cast of the production and uh, Jason and Jeanette with us here. Welcome Hello. to the program. Hi, how are thank you? Thank you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> ben alluded to the range of dances that you guys perform in this show. Uh, perhaps you could flesh that out a little bit. What can people expect to see? Yeah, I think the great thing about a ballroom show is there is a big umbrella of dances that we can do. There's the, the Latin side, the cha-cha, the mambo, the samba, all of that, the ballroom stuff, the quick step, the waltz, the Tango. So pretty much it's non-stop for two hours, so it's a lot of fun for everybody. And the show's been going on for 14 years, uh, and Jason, you were part of the original cast as well. Yes, a long time ago. How's the show, <laughs> how's the show changed over the years? How has it been revised? I think the difference is now people see ballroom dancing on TV all the time, so we've had to really sort of keep uh, ahead of the game and evolve the show as much as possible. Um, it was when we first did the show 14 years ago, we were the only ballroom dancing show out there. Now there's a lot of things on TV, a lot of shows that are touring. So um, we've got younger, we've got more experience, we've got uh, guys that are world champions and international champions and champions of their own country. So it's been an incredible journey for us to be on. Now, when you take a very talented group of folks that you have here, um, they, their background, as you just mentioned, is a, a lot in competition dance and as solo or duo performers. How do you meld that into an ensemble that you have here? Yeah, that was interesting because when these guys first came to us, they were used to competing against each other. And they still do in many ways. <laughs> but, but now they share the stage at the same time. And there's this special chemistry and bond that they have when they're on stage. And there's so much energy. And that's what's really infectious about watching the show. Because you see the chemistry these guys create night after night. And you just feel like getting up and dancing with them. And you also have two live vocalists and percussionists on the show as well. Yeah. Does that add a different element to the show? Well, definitely for us as dancers, there's a huge difference between dancing to just a CD or music playing from an iPod versus having actual percussion and drums and two very, very talented vocalists, a male and a female, Peter and Von Zell. Um, dancing to their voices and dancing to live music just gives you that much more energy to perform and you just, you just feel it. Dancers feel the music, so to have it live is just is a real treat for us. <laughs> now, over the past several years, it seems that there's been a real explosion in interest in dance and uh, all kinds of television shows surrounding dance and, and uh, supporting dance. Um, to what do you attribute that? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea why this suddenly happened, but we, we like to think we pioneered it a little bit because we were 14 years ago and when we first came out and said, oh, we're a boring dancing company, people would be like, really? 
because there was, you know, ballroom dancing didn't have any street cred at that at that stage. Now it's, I mean, it's everywhere, and I mean, it's been great for us because we have actual dance fans that come to the show, and we found the audience get younger and younger now. We used to have a lot of older people who still come to the show, but now we've got a new generation of people who really enjoy ballroom dancing. Yeah, so it's, it's been... nice because now ballroom dancing has brought into the average person's home. You don't have to pay a ticket to go and watch a comp or pay money to go and watch a live theater show. Um, to I'm sorry, watch a TV show to see what's going on now instead of having to go somewhere. So the audience has really expanded their um, intellect in terms of dancing. They can now tell what's a cha-cha. They can see the difference between a paso and a waltz and what contemporary versus hip-hop is. So TV has definitely given us a huge push towards growing what we do. And it's been everywhere in the world too. I think these guys come from so many different countries. We've got Slovenia, we've got Australia, we've got England, we've got Italy, we've got so, it's like, you know, it's a small world back there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's been everywhere. It hasn't just been in one or two countries. This revolution has come from sort of so many different countries. Can you tell us the dates that uh, you guys are performing in Hong Kong? We start on the 17th and we go through to the 28th at the APA, the Lyric Theatre at the APA. And what can you tell us about what you're going to do here in the show tonight? Mm. I thought we'd do a number for you guys that would sum up everything this show is all about. And it's one of the numbers we do right at the end of the show. It's called Boring Blitz. It's high energy. You actually see these guys all being individuals. And, and the great thing about this show is it's not like Riverdance where everybody's being exactly the same. Mm. These guys are bringing their own personality. So this kind of sums up the show a little bit. Yeah. 